Thanks for joining us today to hear our latest Hope Central podcast. We trust this message will help you know more about Jesus and inspire you to be more like Him. How is everybody? Everyone doing well? Has everyone had a good break? Has anybody had a break? That was a pretty dismal sort of, oh, yeah. No, who's, who's been working all the way through? Yep, bless you, bless you. Yes, anybody else? No, everyone else is on break. Who's still on break? Who's still, wow, that's fantastic. Yoni's got her hand up. No one's running kids at the moment. Excellent. Uh, so we're talking this morning about this, better together. And um, uh, I might put my Bible down here. I'm trying to carry 50 things at one go. It doesn't work. It never works. And I, and I love this. Uh, I mean, this is something that resonates with me uh, a lot, being around people. I am I'm quite social. And I've, I've learned more about myself as I get older. I'm actually quite introverted, but I still feed around being around people. I still love that a lot. And I think you learn more about yourself as you get older, don't you? Yeah, you, you learn that. And I think a lot of us can not have the right teaching about where we're at. And we get to a place where we think, it's actually better for me to be alone because people annoy me. And I don't like people. And I come to church on a Sunday morning and that other person keeps coming along too and that person annoys me a lot. (laughs) I'm saying this from stage. There are people here that are going, yeah, but they wouldn't say it up here. It's true. And I know some of you are looking at me and thinking, Matt's here again today and I showed up and, and it's like that. And we get it. And, and I want to talk this morning about better. What does better actually mean? We'll get there in a minute. But I want to, I want to say this. This next slide, I, I like movies. I'm not a huge movie buff, but I've seen a few movies that are really stuck with me. One, my favorite movie uh, is Back to the Future. I just love it. When I saw that as a kid, I just thought, wow, a DeLorean. I love them. They're the coolest car ever. And I still think they're cool. I saw one the other day. And when you're up close to them, you think, gee, it's a pretty poorly made car. It's not as, as good as the movie. But it really resonated with me. I was like, oh, I want to travel in time. That would be so good. What would you do if you could travel in time, you know, buy lottery tickets or, you know, all those things you think selfishly about yourself. But these movies, they resonate you. And I saw this movie uh, in 94. This movie is 30 years old this year. And some of you might be shocked when you see this. But I want you to read this line. People who have seen this will get this. When I read this quote from the movie, I want you to try not to say it with the accent in your head. All right, try not to say it. This line here. Can you say it without the accent? No, you can't. Me and Jenny goes together like peas and carrots. Do you know, the, who knows the movie we're talking about right now? Oh, wow. <laughs> what was that accent? It was my best Jim Hanks uh, southerner. It's Jim. Yeah, it's Jim. We call him Jim. That's right. Jim and I know each other personally, so I call him Jim. Good old Thomas. So this is the movie here. Tom Hanks. Oh, it is Tom Hanks. There you go. Tom Hanks is Forrest Gump. <laughs> Off to a cracking start. All right. So this movie is... Uh, who, so not many people have seen this. All right. Yeah, there's not many. That, I would have thought a lot more would have seen this. If you haven't seen it, you've you got to see it. It is one of the greatest movies of all time. It's been, it's, it's had accolades like that all, all around. Everybody that's seen it. I haven't heard anybody who's seen it and thought, oh, that was boring. It's full of everything. There's everything in it. There's, there's action, there's love, there's drama, there's comedy, some really funny parts in it. It's, there's history in it. it it's, it's full of everything. It's like a movie that just hits every, every genre. 
Um, but Jim Hanks, Jim Hanks, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Let's just go with the forest in this movie. He, he plays this, this guy who, as, as a kid, he, he has issues and his mum looks after him. His mum's amazing. And it's just a cry spot here. And there's this, this part where he's, he has troubles with his legs and there's a girl next door to him, sort of next door to him across the field and he hangs out with her. Her name's Jenny. And they get along so well. And through the whole movie, she kind of takes a different path to him and he, he goes around. But everywhere he goes, he has an influence on people to some degree. But something that you don't really notice, and, and the last time I watched it, I thought, everybody has an influence on him. Everybody he interacts with, it, he, his life moves around the influence of people around him. And so he buys a, a shrimp boat and goes shrimp boating. I mean, and you don't ever hear him talk about that until he's talking with a mate when he goes to the Vietnam War and he wants to be a, a shrimp boat captain and wants to catch shrimp. And so he does that. And all these things in the movie he goes and does because of the influence of other people in his life. But the thing that, that sticks out to me about this movie is that he continually chases Jenny. And Jenny is just off on this journey of self-discovery in life and she finds herself in some dark places and uh, he comes along and he rescues her sometimes and uh, there's this point in the movie where he, he's in love with her and, and I love this, it's like the best line in the movie and because of the way he's standing when he says it and he's standing all defiant like this and it's, it's really funny and he says, I may not be a smart man but I know what love is. That's my best Jim Hanks impersonation. And he does it. And he, 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 you just sit there and you go, I may, I may not be a smart man. I'm a simple man. But I know what's better for me. I know what I need to pursue. The, the pursuit of being better together. And he, and he does this through the movie. It's fantastic. Like, you can't not watch it without laughing or crying or going, wow, that's done really well. The Bible tells us this a lot. It tells us so many times about us being better together, doesn't it? It says this. In Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And it says this also in Ecclesiastes and every Christian wedding since 1975. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, we watch Forrest Gump and you think... At some parts in the movie, you think, gee, just, just let her go, mate. She's a lot of work. It's pretty hard. And, yeah, and it's like he, he just keeps pursuing her because he knows it is, it is better for both of them to be together. And we get to this point where it's great. We hear all this and we know all of this and we consistently hear this when we come to church. And yet we still have different thoughts on what's better for me. And when people are difficult, we go, it's probably enough. It's time to let them go. I'm sure we can all relate to that to some degree. We, uh, we have movie night at home. And for me, it's quite a painful night because the kids pick the movies. And Lily's choice in movies is 
is factually never a movie I want to ever watch. And uh, I just have to put aside what I want on those nights for some reason. It's like almost like I should be a dad and just let my kids watch a movie they, they want to watch. And Eddie will, Eddie will always want to watch something that will be too scary for, for Lily and, you know, something with some war parts and he loves, loves learning about the war. And we, we constantly have this, this debate uh, about which movie is better. And uh, we, Amanda and I, we're, we're very conscious of this because what's better for Lily is not better for Ed. And so we say, look, you can't use the word better. You can say these movies are different. Because better doesn't actually apply here. When you say that that movie's better, I might say, no, it's not. It's, it's horrendous and boring. And I'm probably going to cry because I don't want to sit through all of that tonight. And for some reason, these kids' movies go for like two hours. And you're sitting through it for like the whole two hours. But it's this using the word better for what it actually means. Not saying that's a better movie because that's wrong. It's a different movie. It's not a better movie. It's a different movie. And it's interesting because... I, I like working out what words really mean. It doesn't mean I use them properly a lot of the time. I get pulled up a lot. But I, I really like to use words for what they, they mean and, and, and say them for what they actually mean when I'm saying a sentence. Because I, I like to try and be articulate. I like to say exactly what I'm meaning. And we talk with my kids. And, and I remember um, Eddie came home from school. And they go to a, a little primary school. And there's some kids there that use language that isn't, isn't great. And Eddie asked me one day, he said, oh, what, what's actually wrong with swearing? What's wrong with talking like that? And I said to him, it doesn't actually articulate how you feel. When you say, I feel like swear word, that doesn't actually explain how you feel. You're not being articulate. And, you know, Jesus calls us to speak life over things. And if we're using the wrong words, what are we speaking over our situation? And I could see Eddie going, what? Like trying to understand what I'm saying. But he, he gets it now and he, and he says, oh, okay. And, and he'll hear other kids talk like that. And he's like, oh, well, I choose not to talk like that because we choose to, to speak life. And I love that. I love that a lot because I, I, I'm always interested in how words work and, and how I can add to a sentence and bring life. I was looking up the other day uh, a, a few things and, and I came across this uh, and this is Plato, and he says, I'm the wisest man alive, for I know one thing, and that is that I know nothing. Amen. Amen. Who can relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> All of us that practice humility. And uh, I, was, I was reading this, and he, he wrote this book. Plato wrote this book called The uh, Republic. And there's some fascinating stuff, and I read little excerpts of it. I couldn't read the whole thing. It's way over my head, uh, this sort of philosophy. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. And, and he tells this story because people are like, what is good? And so in this book, The Republic, he talks about forms of good or the form of good, sorry. And what he's trying to establish is a common ground that everybody understands is what is good. And we know that the foundation of good is God. You know, and these are people trying to work this out without that. But they're trying to come to what is the ultimate good? What, what, what is good? And he uses this illustration. It's really cool. And he says, uh, people look at the sun and they worship the sun because it brings sight. And when the sun's gone, I can't see. But when the sun's there, I can see. And he said, but the sun isn't the giver of sight. It just enables you to see. And so therefore, that is not the foundation of your sight. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to cause people to think deeper about where, where it comes from. What, where does it come from? What, what does that mean? What does it mean? The, the words that you say, what do they exactly mean? What are they meaning when you're saying that? But Jesus, Jesus does this 
spectacularly with people. So he's caused, Plato causes people to see things through his philosophy and his teachings and stuff, but Jesus just does this spectacularly. And I love this passage. Before I share this passage, I want to say this. Have you ever been at a, a training and there's someone there that just knows more than the trainer? You ever been at something like that? I, I, I was at this thing years ago, and it was a first aid course. And this guy, when he sat down, he didn't even say hello to me. He said, oh, I've done this course like 15 times. I said, cool, cool. Like this, let's, let's get involved, you know. And every time the trainer would ask a question, he would stand up and say, well, this is this, and just say it like it's factual. And after the third time of being wrong, you would think he would stop. But no, he just, <laughs> I just kept going. And I was like, mate, you've got to let this go. So I say that for this. In this passage, it's called the rich young ruler. And I imagine the same thing. This, this ruler comes and he notices Jesus in a crowd and he's like, I'm going to let everybody know how important I am and how, how, much I, how good I am and how I know what's right and how I know all these things. And this is, I, I haven't read it like this before, but I noticed it this time because I thought, who stands up in a crowd and asks a question? I just see this young guy smiling and asking the question, thinking that Jesus is going to validate him as he's got it all together. But this is how it goes. It goes like this. In Matthew 19, it says this. Now behold, one came and said to him, this is the rich young ruler talking to Jesus, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, it doesn't say eternal life, if you want to enter into life, which I thought was interesting, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honour your father and your mother and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And he says this to the young guy and I think what Jesus is doing here, what I see he's doing here is, is say, putting him up there saying, yep, now if he acknowledges this, I can move on to the next part. And the young ruler replies with this. And the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And I feel here Jesus is like, I've got him. Now I can help him to reveal himself and be transparent in front of everybody in front of the crowd. And Jesus said to him, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great comfort and everything that he had. He was comfortable. He was comfortable on his own. You see, when I read this and I look at this guy, it screams a person who goes, I get validation from what the people say about me, and that's why I'm going to shout this out and see what, and if everybody agrees, then that's great. He is disconnected from the people. And Jesus says, you, you need to be connected. You need to be connected. You are chasing good for law's sake, keeping that from your youth. That's all good, mate, but you are disconnected. Here's a great way to, to connect with people and be better together. Why don't you give up everything you have to the poor, bless them, and come follow me? And what is his decision? I've got to make this in front of everybody. Could you imagine being that young guy thinking, this is great, I'm going to be validated, and then Jesus points that out, and then he has to make a decision in front of everybody. I wonder how everybody felt about him in that moment. It's a great passage. And when I was reading this, I was like, wow, that, that can be a real slap in the face, especially for that young guy. I mean, it's the best time to learn things is when you're young. That's what I found. I learned a lot when I was young, and I'm still learning now. 
But we find ourselves in these, these places. We think we're connected. We think we're, we're better together. But there's something that comes that blocks us from being connected as a community, as a body. There's something in there. And, and I felt as I was praying, I, I wanted to share this at the end, but I feel like this is the right part. I've been praying about this word and I said, Lord, I really need to hear a word on, on this from you. And he said that a lot of us are approaching the altar. We'll come to church and we approach the altar as in I'll come to God and say, God, I need this. I need that. God, help me with this. And God said, we're coming empty handed. We're not, not sacrificing those things that are on us that shouldn't be on us. We're not sacrificing those things that, that we put above God in our lives and we're coming to him expecting him to be able to help us and to solve all my problems and do that and yet we don't follow the the basic commands like Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler in the first part and then when God challenges us and says hey why don't you do this in order to connect we go away going but I have great comfort in this I, I don't know if I can let that go we think that our comfort is better. It's better, and it's not. We have the wrong thinking of better. Something I, I talked about with the music team, uh, I think it was a year or two years ago, it was a little while ago, um, and, and it went really well with the team as far as everybody else was sort of thinking it anyway, so I just sort of spoke about it together, um, was this. Look how big that choir is. There's people up on the top left... Uh, that is like Ron Canoli times 20, that is. It's massive, massive choir. I mean, imagine being there and hearing that. Who's heard a really big choir like that before or a massive orchestra? When you're there and you hear it, you're like, whoa, what is that? It's, it's an amazing sound. But when it's a choir together like that, that many voices, and, and you hear in the, in the Bible, we read in the Bible, it talks about the angels singing. I just think we hear humans singing in this way and it's amazing. Imagine in heaven with all the angels singing, you just, you just won't be able to stand. It'll be amazing. But this is the thing. This is, this is harmony. Like this is harmony together. And, and when you learn about the word harmony, it says this. Can you all read that? I can't even read it up on the back screen either. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I have my slides up here. Here we go. All right. It says, and just see if that's, that's weird, isn't it? It's weird it's done that. Uh, I look after all the slides and presentations for the service, can you tell? It says here, the harmony, the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce a pleasing effect. The quality of forming a pleasing and consistent whole. The state of being in agreement or concord. An arrangement of the four Gospels or of any parallel narratives which presents a single continuous narrative text. Or a group of people that are all different that come together to praise God. There is so many different people here this morning. We are all different. We are not the same and yet we need to come together for the same thing, which is God. We come here to praise God. And, and it only works if we stay together. Could you imagine trying to orchestrate all those guys together and ladies and boys and young ladies and there'd be just so many different voices in there and you've got to get a pleasing sound from that. I'd be like, look, everyone just sing as loud as you can and maybe we'll drown out all the bad ones. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Feels like church sometimes. But it's like, it's a, 
it'd be hard to make that happen, wouldn't it? And yet, when it happens and it comes together like that, it's amazing. It sounds phenomenal. We keep finding ourselves in a place where we struggle with what what better actually is. And the Bible talks about this, about when we think the opposite. Uh, I've been reading Proverbs. I do Proverbs uh, at the start of every year. And I've got a heap of young guys reading it with me. And we read a proverb a day. It just works out well in January because it's one a day for the whole month. And the thing about Proverbs is it talks about wisdom. And, and, and I was chatting with these young guys and myself, and I said, look, we, we just need wisdom because I genuinely believe that this year we're going to experience growth. And I don't, I don't, growth can mean a lot of different things. I'm not saying we're going to have lots of people. I, I don't know, but I know that we're going to have growth. And with growth needs a lot of intention and a lot of guidance and a lot of wisdom to do that well. And I said, I said, I really feel God's calling us to be reading scriptures on wisdom. We need this. And so I've been reading through the Proverbs. And this, this one comes up. This, this one is kind of done a few different ways. But this one comes up. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And it's so true. When you are isolated, you find yourself in a position where you're making decisions on your own and you don't have someone else to sound that off. And we, we know this. this. I'm not saying anything groundbreaking and new here, but when you're isolated, you have your own thoughts to deal with, don't you? Or you have the last resonating thought of whatever hurt you in your head all the time going over and over again. So this is the thing, being together, better together, is that we're going to make mistakes together, but we can work together to improve that if we're in harmony and God is the focus of all of that. But we think lots of different things and we find ourselves continually going, church should be like this. Church should be a safe place. Church should be this and people should be nice to me when I rock up and people should be uh, looking out for me and people should be ringing me when I'm at home. And people should be checking in on me. And people should be washing my car. Why is no one washing my car? And people, I didn't get any presents at Christmas. That's a lie. I got a really cool mug from Charlie, which is really cool. I just want to say. And all these things, we notice the negatives about a community. This passage in Matthew 19, where he's talking to this rich young ruler, Jesus continues on to talk about some other stuff with the disciples and he, he mentions this thing, which we, we know and we've probably all, all heard before too, about the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And you, you see the disciples and they're, they're like, what? Like that makes no sense. And so Jesus moves on into this parable, the parables, uh, parable of the workers in the vineyard. I'm just going to read this out. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarii a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, well, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, 
the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the labourers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those, sorry, and when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarii. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarii, which was what was agreed. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. This part's great. He says, But then he answered one of them and said, Friend, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarii? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give... Sorry, my eyes are getting a bit funny this morning. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish with my... Sorry, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it your... Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. It's... Uh, an interesting passage. I've read this before, and I've thought, yeah, I'll, I'll save that one for another day. I, I don't don't quite get it. But when I was reading, and and I really felt God say this to me, he said, "We are rocking up at church expecting a denarii a day, and we're noticing all these other people getting different things around us, or behaving differently, and we think we all deserve the same, or we all achieve the same, or everything should be the same as what I understand it should be." But that's like saying God is all of this and I know exactly what God is and that I can explain him and every choice that he makes is like that. And I felt God say that that's not it. The kingdom of heaven is is not a denarii a day. Everybody gets that. The kingdom of heaven is personal. The kingdom of heaven is community together. The kingdom of heaven is not what we expect And the body, the church body is not what we expect. There are going to be things that will happen that we don't expect. And when we get angry at God and say, what is going on? I don't understand that. I feel God saying, well, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And why don't you see the blessing in that we're all working together? Why are you not seeing that you've been given opportunity to work in the field You've been given opportunity to make money. You've been given opportunity to be part of something great. And yet we're seeing what other people are getting and not getting. And it, it ruins us. It takes us away from the blessings of what God has for us as better together. Can I call the band up to the stage? I, I was praying so much about this and I was thinking, oh, Lord, I don't know how I can articulate this well and, and how I can do it. And, and I really felt God say, I can speak to people through you, Matt. <laughs> Thank you for your services, Matt, but don't worry about all of it. I can speak through you. And he can. And this is the thing this morning. You might be thinking, that makes no sense. Thanks, Matt, for that. But I want to I put it to you this. We have a picnic next week, and you might think it's better to stay home. We have a cafe after church today, and you might think it's better to go home. But I want to put it to you this way. Why don't you try and sacrifice those hurts of connection that you have had in the past 
those hurts of I tried and it didn't work and sacrifice them to God and say, God, I'm going to listen to what you have to say today and I'm going to put this into practice and that practice is faith, that we can be better together. It's not another movie. It's not, it's not that. It's better together. And I love this. I can say that because God says that. Jesus says that. He says it's better together. Therefore, it is better together. And we have to sacrifice those thoughts that change that in our lives. When we think, I need to isolate. I need to retreat. I need to back off. God wants to bless you in the pursuing that and pushing into it even more. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you are a God who longs to have a relationship with us. And today, Lord, there are things in our heart that are, are stopping us from seeing you. There are things in our hearts that, that is causing our eyes to be closed towards you. And so today, Lord, I speak liberty, I speak peace as your people pursue you in faith, Lord. As your people try to engage with one another, Lord, bless us, protect our hearts, protect our minds, Lord. And Lord, I ask that as people engage with each other and minister to each other, Lord, that your word would shine through, that we would experience you in those relationships, Lord. And Lord, I just speak your blessing over everybody here. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen.